Welcome back, everybody, to the Exeterist Podcast with Kevin Durant. As always, I'm your co-host, Eddie Gonzalez. I'm here with my guy, KD, Slim Reaper. What up? What up? How you living out there, man? Everything's solid, man. Right back to work. So, uh, checked out the new crib. It's dope. How you liking it? Yeah, it's good being back in the city, man. You know, it was, I didn't get to spend a summer in New York yet. I was looking forward to that before the pandemic hit. So it's good to be back in the city, have a solid spot, you know. It's uh, but it's it's good that basketball about to roll back around for real. How you liking the weather? We was just talking to our guest about that off mic. And Actually, it's been solid. <laughs> He's enjoying the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, the the West Coast is definitely uh, a vibe, but it's it's been solid. It ain't been too bad. Today was cool. It wasn't too cold today, so I'm sure the winter's gonna be crazy, but. It's been all right so far. Man, you know how that goes. Well, look, without further ado, I want to introduce our guests. Each week here, we've we've been lucky enough to talk to a legend, an icon. This man is no different. Today, we're, we're joined by Kareem Biggs-Burke Hoffa, uh, one of the co-founders of Rockefeller Records. Um, he's an entrepreneur, record executive, film producer, Emmy-nominated, right? Like, you've, you've done a lot. You've done a lot. Um, you're Maul's big brother. Shout out to Maul for helping us uh, get this situated. I did not know that, yo. <laughs> I did not know that until today. That's what's up. Many, many, many more things, man. How you doing, Biggs? How how you living out there? I know you said you was West Coast living. Uh, how's life treating you? Fortunately, great. Under the circumstances, you know, they say, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to have any type of celebration during these times with so much going on. But, you know, again, fortunate that everything I've been putting my hands to has been taken off. So... In, in a good way. So I am happy about that. And, and I do recognize the blessings. Right, right. So you got a lot going on right now. We're going to get to all the stuff you got with St. John, with your clothing companies, with your media company, the whole nine. Uh, but obviously, if we have you, we had the legend himself. We got to start at the beginning. We got to start with the rock. Uh, we got to start with the best out crew, the whole nine. So tell us how you got going, you know, as as a businessman. I know I read a lot about there was a time when you and your family had to stay in a shelter and that really stuck a chord with you. And from there, it's like, yo, like you really had that determination and grind. So start us in the beginning, man. How, how did this all come about for you? Well, I, you know, like you said, probably at that moment, it was a pivotal moment in my life being in a shelter because at that moment, I said, I'll never be impoverished again. I was only 12 years old, but um, unfortunately, the thing that um, got me out that situation, I fell victim, you know, to the streets and the neighborhood and everything that that does and kind of sucks you in. But uh, around, I want to say, you know, meeting Damon around 14, uh, my brother Bob and Rel and all of us having that, that crew, the best out, uh, taught us that we could do something different. And we started with throwing parties around Harlem. The first one was in Cotton Club. Uh, you know, we gave uh, 100 bottles of champagne away for the first 100 ladies. So if you think about the Rockefeller logo, that's kind of where that came from. It was the same lifestyle we were living. We just transformed it or gave it a different name, texture and feel and look. But that became Rockefeller. But it all was kind of based on the best out. So the best out, as I, as I understand, you guys were throwing parties around New York, around Uptown and all that. In the 90s, it was about 13, 14 of us guys from different areas all around Harlem. But 141st, 142nd Street in Lenox was kind of like home base. And that's where we all met up at. And that's actually where the vision for Rockefeller came when Dame talked about it that day. And, um, you know, I gave him a call the next day because I believed in what he was talking about and wanted to hear, you know, a little more and learn a little bit more about Jay. I feel like being a party promoter, in a sense, lends itself to working in the music business. You got to 
be able to draw crowds. You got to know what moves the crowd. You got to, you know, you got to kind of have your ear to the streets. Do you feel like that helped you as you guys got going with Rockefeller? I think we, we came together. We all had the same, you know, lifestyle and we were all thinking alike, right? It was all, we were kids. All I was the youngest, but everyone is three, four years older than me, you know, roughly around the same age. And we just wanted to do something. You know, everybody was kids getting a little bit of money. And, you know, we love girls and partying. So we just thought we should all come together and do this because we had all these different areas around Harlem where we knew that we could draw people in because everybody was kind of like leaders on, on their, uh, you know, specific blocks or wherever they were, you know. So you wasn't really into the music early on, though, right? Not at all. I mean, as a fan, just like everybody else, I love to listen to music. But... I never ever thought I would be in the music business. Even when Dame said it, I just thought of it a way as to get out of one type of uh, lifestyle into another, but not necessarily because I love music. But hearing Jay-Z though, like that didn't change your mind at all. Like what was, what was that first time like hearing Jay-Z though? Actually, when I heard Jay early on, I wasn't even, I wasn't necessarily a fan. It wasn't until Jay battled DMX and I became a fan. Um, you know, he started to talk more before that he was real lyrical and had a different, you know, talked about different content. And then there he was talking about things that resonated with us, you know, and I became a fan then. And then he was able to put both of those things together, which, you know, made him who he is today. He was using that old flow when you first heard him, like the old, like what he was doing with jazz and all that. Yeah. I just heard songs. I never really seen him that much. And then as we built a friendship and a brotherhood you know, all of that came to play in part. And then I started to hear the other songs, probably um, 22 Twos was one of the earliest ones and coming to age, because those were probably done three or four years before Reasonable Doubt. What was it about the battle that, like where he stood out to you in that way? I mean, he went, DMX I knew um, as an artist, because he used to come uptown and, and rap for us um, when he had first came home from jail. So I knew about him maybe three or four years before Jay. And I knew about that, his talent level and how good he was. So even Jake stepping into that, I didn't think that it would have been a, a win for Jay. But what Jay said at the battle, how it went, and then, you know, arguably, you know, people there with DMX could say he won. We say, you know, Jay won. Um, but it, it was amazing to see that and then what he was talking about. So transitioning to like rock, did you feel like, you had a, a business sense as far as marketing and where you wanted to go with Rockefeller or kind of like unfolded as you guys went? I think it was just being young and naive and not really know about losing that. I just thought that everything we would win automatically, you know, so fast forward, obviously now where when, you know, you're talking about Rockefeller, we starting and then Jay is actually recording reasonable doubt. Now I'm hearing something that the world isn't hearing. So people were thinking that, you know, we were real, you know, well, we were narcissists or, you know, we were had all these the, the egos and shit like that for what we were doing. But the thing is, we heard we were listening to something that the world didn't hear. So we had that confidence. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like it's like seeing you in high school and everybody like, yo, this guy's going to be one of the greatest. MPs. They're like, come on. Fam. So you knew what was coming. <laughs> I, I, I heard about him. Yeah. I haven't seen him. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've asked everybody that every guest we've had on the pod, like when did you know it was special? When did you know it could be what it became? You knew that real early. It seemed like y'all always did though. Y'all always had that confidence. You knew it could be this, like what you guys are now and greatest rapper of all time and setting the template for indie music and all that? I don't think we, I mean, we had a, we, we had some real 
grandiose ideas and things that we, we, we set forth to do. But to actually be here now as, and then look back and see what we did is, I mean, I don't think that we could have thought about doing it this, on this level. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I talked about that Grammy nomination. And then when I look today to see, you know, the top most nam nominated, uh, most Grammy winners ever, J and B is right there and Kanye, uh, the top 13. So between them, they have 60 something Grammys. That's probably more than anybody ever. You know what I'm saying? As a family, I'm just saying that's coming from one place. I'm not, yeah. I'm not talking about J. Cole and everybody. You know, we can add a lot in there, but just with those three and obviously Rihanna, I mean, we really captured culture in a big way. I seen the stat today with the, with the nominations that came out. Uh, Jay's tied with Quincy Jones as the artist with the most nominations in Grammy history, 80 nominations. So, yeah, like, like you said, insane, insane. Yeah, and, you know, now having Sane on that list, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it feels good, you know. Yeah, a lot, a lot of hard work paying off for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's impressive to go. I mean, because for what twenty five years, it feels like, and you and you still in it. You know, you still feel like you still with an artist who's fresh in the game, who's still bubbling, who's still rising. Like, do you ever feel content? Like, do you ever get bored? You know what I'm saying? Of doing the same. What's what you feel like is next? You know what I'm saying? It's like. How you feel being in this time and then also going through errors and seeing this thing? I was content and bored at a time, you know, so it's funny because I haven't touched music, I want to say, in about between 12 and 15 years, something like that. Uh, and, you know, the first, the, last, the first two Kanye albums were probably the last two projects I did. And I was like, I didn't really care about the music business no more. It wasn't as inspiring to me. We didn't have that type, the level of artists that I thought that could be superstar. So I actually just stepped away from the game. I mean, you know, losing my brother uh, came into play too and having to take care of the kids and the family. But, you know, I've done interviews over and over and over again saying I would never, ever, ever be back in music. Like there was nothing that can possibly get me back. And, you know, for, to hear St. John's first album, Collection One, and I mean, at that time, I didn't listen to music in the house, only when I worked out. And I thought it made me want to drive and do different things just to hear the project. And then after I met with him and then we built a brotherhood and then hearing what he had to offer for, you know, Ghetto Lenny's uh, love songs, I was like, man, this is crazy. And he still kept asking me to do it, to come back. And I was like, look, man, I'll just be here. I'll help you for free. Like, I'll just give you advice because, you know, it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. But after speaking to Jay-Z and Tata and asking them about it and Ty, who played me the music, introduced me to St. John, was like, look, we try to sign him. That guy's incredible. And Jay and was like, look, you're real passionate about it. You know, you should do it. And it was probably one of the best, you know, some of the best advice I've gotten and one of the best decisions I made, you know, because it's, it's like a true, it's a partnership and it's a true brotherhood. And I couldn't have asked for anything better, you know, it's exactly what we had before. So to rebuild that with somebody that we trust and there's no contracts, there's nothing, it's just love and, you know, and, you know, we both listen, we open ideas and we, you know, trying to push forward and do things and create a different sound, you know. You know, if you hear the projects, not necessarily what's sound, what everything sounds like right now. I wanted to do something that cuts through. I wanted somebody that could be a superstar and be the next biggest brand in business, period. You know, not just somebody who concentrate on music, but use it as a springboard to jump into different businesses. So, you know, when he was telling me about the world that he was creating, it was real interesting to me and I knew how to amplify it. So it became, you know, something that was real natural for both of us.
Kevin and I were just talking about something like this about how like we're not rushing the new music like we once were. And then somebody like St. John, he's so unique in not only sonically, but the presentation that he comes along with. He he doesn't look like nobody else. He doesn't sound like nobody else. Uh one of the things that kinda got the run kickstarted was unauthorized remix, right? And how did that work within y'all business plan? Like that's that's not something you guys made. It obviously helped. You know, that's definitely new era stuff that you probably weren't dealing with when you got going in 94, 95, 96. How how did you kind of maneuver through that as that as that came about and the remix hit and really 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 took off for you guys? Yeah, so what happened was fortunately Saint he was on his uh second world tour. So he's already done two international tours. So Russia just happened to be his biggest market. He was already selling out, uh, you know, venues there where, I mean, he gets on four or five in the morning and people waiting there for him to come on, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people, you know, when that guy was, you know, relatively really small and still in the U.S. So uh, one of the DJs there, he went on an interview, was like, look, if I'm dope here, why y'all don't run my songs up? He had eight songs in rotation. So he was like, oh, shit. Um, and then one of these guys remixed the song and it started to take off there in Kazakhstan and all those neighboring countries. So, you know, we picked up on it and the label did. So we just started to chase it and it started to be big all around where it became probably the number three or the two second biggest song worldwide, which is, I mean, that's fucking nuts. I mean, to be 70 million platinum right now, I'm like, I've never seen a plaque like that other than Michael Jackson. So... I mean, you got to pivot to know what's going on these days, right? I know that, right? I, I got a little bit of tech experience, but that's something that I'm really, um, that's one of my passions too. So it's, for me, it, it, it's a little easier because I've never done one thing. I don't know how to do one thing. I'm used to doing three, four, five, and six things and, and, and seeing the connectivity through everything to make it make sense to build the ecosystem around it. So that's what I did to support everything he's done. So I can start building fashion at the same time as the music is starting to do and having them do TED Talks about business and things like that because he's really educated. And I think people should know that type, you know, that, that side of him as well. So for me, it's building a complete package that I could present to everybody to say, this is authenticity and this is exactly who he is, just giving them the platform. Y'all were doing that in the 90s. Like with early rock, y'all were doing that. Same thing, but different technology, right? So now there's no more street teams. There's social soldiers, right? There's Instagram, there's this, that. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm that, I think that relationship is so important, having that one person that you can trust that's outside of the industry managers or the, the typical executives, you know, somebody that really understands you from a, a personal level. You know what I'm saying? I could see that with you and saying at this point, you know, and I can see that building, you know, because each aesthetic that he's put out so far has evolved over time. And like you are hands on with every single detail from the beats to the merchandise. Like I know your day has got to be hectic. What's it like for you? Yeah, it is. But you know, again, I'm used to that, too. When I, you know, when I have downtime, I, I get kind of fidgety. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> sure you do. Right? It's like, fuck. Like, you feel like you know, do something like just now I just went, walked around, did a couple miles, came back. I'm just, you know, just my mind moving. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not used to idle time. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the work I'm not scared of, you know what I mean? The more work sometimes, you know, it, it, it's, it's good for me. I just, I, I know how to work around and I'm used to it. But at the same time too, I'm able to also teach him and help him uh, 
navigate away from the mistakes that I made, you know? So other than the things I did good, I teach them more about the things that I didn't do good, right? About the money spending and the jets and the jewelry and all the other shit that comes with it, you know? And now it's all about equity and making sure the contracts are straight and, and showing him how to build businesses that he can own forever that'll last much longer than, you know, hopefully than the music, anything else that he's doing. So that's really important to me now. That legacy for me is, you know, some of the execs uh, or most of the execs that we had all went on to do great things. And I'm hoping, uh, you know, St. John has the same um, type of career in, in, in life. I like what you said there about how the mistakes teach you more. Remind me of the, the Benny Bar, like losses taught me more than my wins did. And it just seems like that's kind of where you learn and you get better. You, you feel like that, Kay, like with your journey and what you're doing on the court? Yeah, most definitely it's trial and error. And then, and then it's even more special when you can relay that message back to somebody else to help them out. So, yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah. And I think the other the good thing for me that challenges me is that every time I touch something new, people still don't believe in it. You know, I still got to prove myself. <laughs> I feel the same <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. You coming back and they're like, does he still have it? Yeah. This and that. Like, you know, <laughs> that makes you better, right? You know, I, I, oh, exactly. That's what I said. I look at it as a challenge every time that I, you're like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's all good to me. You know, when I come back and I'm like, well, I've done film before. And they're like, well, how do you know you can do this? And I'm like, well, you know, we kind of launched Kevin Hart's career and, did, you know, and <laughs> Lee Daniels and, you know, did a few things, uh, you know, that I got to come prove myself with that. And, you know, with everything, even the music, it wasn't easy, you know what I mean, coming back. And now the label, I mean, you know, people are listening and a lot more. But, you know, it's fortunate that, you know, actually saying this is his actually last album with the label. So, you know, this is a, this is a great place to be in, you know, to get the, you know, you get the MVP at the finals and the MVP at the, uh, <laughs> everything. And it's your last year in the contract season. <laughs> you control your destiny right now. <laughs> 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 Yo, you want to be in that position as much as possible yes yeah <laughs> so i want to go back to something you mentioned about how you, you you're kind of not just presenting an artist you're presenting this entire entity he does all these things you guys are doing that with rock was that a conscious decision i, I know i've seen you say a lot that you know you brought the lifestyle to the table you made sure we maintained the lifestyle was that just about showing an image or was that conscious of like no, we're doing this entire package and it makes the music better. It, it, it sets up our businesses because they'll want to look like us. Then they'll have to buy what we wear and on and on and on. Was that conscious all the way back from the beginning? Yeah, it definitely was conscious. We wanted to bring everybody into our world. And this is what we were doing. It was natural to us. So it was just about showing people exactly what we were doing and introducing them. And everything we did was like, at least at that time, was like luxury, right? So we were basically like the musical Rob Report. You know, this is Roland, PBS, <laughs> this is Cristal, you know, Range Rovers is this, and these are the prices, these are the clothes. So, you know what I mean? We just kind of gave them that message where it was all things that were really luxury. So by the time you've seen us building our brands, Again, that authenticity, I can't say it enough. It made sense. It was like these guys know what they're talking about because they only talk about real shit and they live it. What was it about Jay that gave him that stickiness that other artists don't always seem to have? Where he, you know, the, the, the tag on is always the throwbacks and all that stuff. Like He was really shutting shit down. And and it couldn't be cool no more. The X five, the the baby mama, the baby mama car, and all that. And I know that's a that came from your experience, right? Like, what was it about Jay that made all that stick like it did? 
I mean, that, he's a sponge. So Jay pays attention to everything. And sometimes we'll just be in the studio talking like how we are. And then he come out the booth. He'd be like, yo, hold on, I'm going in the booth and come out. And something we said is in a song. We were like, oh, <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? So that's just, yeah, that's just how he is. But he pays attention to everything. And that's a part of his craft and why he's arguably the best artist of all time. You know what I mean? Not even hip hop at this point. So those early sessions, you know, like, like you said earlier, you knew it was special from the beginning. You knew you had something. What was it about those sessions? And these are like legendary sessions. They, they've done documentaries on them and stuff. And he's 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 making these songs that are so true to y'all lives. And then he, he does regrets, which is at the time they say the only time he was Sean Carter. And it's this classic album. Like it's just you knew it right away. What was it about it that really jumped out the, out the speakers for you? I mean, the whole entire project, because it was just about us. Jay did that album to basically impress us. You know what I'm saying? What they did for the world, you know, we, we wanted, you know, something big. But he just wanted to come out the booth and for us to say, yo, this shit was amazing. Nobody, the other critics, it didn't matter, you know, what opinions people had to say. As long as we validated it, he was happy about that. And, you know, like I said, every piece... Everybody, Tata, you know, Beehive, myself, Dane, um, you know, people that you know or don't know, obviously Emery, all of our lives were on that project, you know what I mean? So everybody gave a piece to that. So that's why it means something to us to this day. Like, it's always going to be a classic to us, you know. And if your first album, you take your whole lifetime to make. Everything else is the next year or two years, whatever it is that you're going to. So that's why most people, uh, first album is the most special. Jay was real unique. He he dropped his debut at 26. You know, uh, Nas, he was 17 making his debut. Pac, he was 18. Uh, Big was, I think, 19, 20. He was really young, too. Do uh, you think that played a part? Like, he was able to experience more life than those guys were? Probably. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, but, I mean, what Jay got, Jay got, man. And just, <laughs> not, you know, not because I'm attached to it, man. It's, you know, it's I just think he's the best of ever. Right. So hard knock life, things change, right? That's five, six million copies. Does it is it like overnight? Yeah, it was because we were, you know, we were there, and then Rockaway is already doing, you know, like eighty million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So in eighteen months, so like so much was happening at the same time. It was just it was a celebration, but for us, six was like okay, we could get ten next time, and that's <laughs> actually I don't know if y'all know that that's where the diamond came from because we thought that. We was gonna sell ten million, but now it became a logo that everybody's familiar with. That's crazy. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, around what time did you feel like y'all wanted to start building that team out? Well, as far as other artists. Oh yeah, same thing. So once we, when I came part of it, and then uh, in like late '95 or early '95, and you know we had Bleak already, uh, and then we had this girl Roughness. It's so funny. I just found her demo. Like I just, I got a box of shit here in my spot. Just found like all this this shit but uh it was and then we had Chris John I think yeah that was like the, the our first signing too um outside of that so we was trying to build the you know the label early on it was just um and then it was just hard finding that successful person but you know we had Clue brought us fab you know that we didn't sign we had a chance to sign him early on too and that would have probably been that was in our first office so that would have probably been one of our most successful ones if we would have went forward with that you're credited as executive producer on every album, every rock album until 
until you eventually lead a company. How hands on are you? Like, what does that entail? Especially for Jay early on when it's just him. Are you are you there helping put together records, find producers? Like, what what is you doing for that job? Not necessarily finding producers, but probably with the sequences or with the sounds there, helping them choose. You know, what songs. Uh, Mostly every song Jay did actually went on a project. So I wouldn't say we took much off anyway. Might I might have heard two songs in ten years I didn't <laughs> I didn't make it out. <laughs> I remember people were dying to hear the uh like Dead Presidents three leaked and then there's supposed to be a second verse and then that, that verse finally comes in. That verse is on a song. Like I forget what verse what song it's on, but it's like that's kinda of about when when I'm like, they're probably putting out most of what he makes, right? Like he's not wasting no time. Yeah, ninety nine percent. But uh, yeah, I was I was really really hands on. I lived in a studio, and then there was a time where you had like like Jay was busy being Jay. Dame really got hands on with Rockaware, and it was you you there with the label still, right? That's when you guys started expanding the roster. We, I mean, it was at the, the time we had the most artists at that time, and I forgot maybe seventeen or eighteen people signed at that time, and then I was doing uh. State Property 2, I did the Young Guns first album, and then I did the uh, Beans' last album and, uh, and Kanye's first two albums. So those are the things that I did when I was running it. What was introducing Kanye to the fold? Like, I, I remember I heard Just Blaze saying it was like, it was almost like a challenge for Dame. Like, we're going to make him a star. Is that, is that how you saw it where you were sitting? Nah, not at all. I, I knew he was a star. It's the same thing as Saint. And that was funny. Like, you know, we keep talking about it, but they remind me so much of each other, especially early on. But I knew that that, that was special and it cut through. Um, Dame at that time just wanted to make it a mixtape. And it was like, oh, now we just throw everybody on, a, you know, from the label on it so it could be a hot project. I was like, nah, this guy. And again, that authenticity that he was saying, I'm not this, I'm not that. This is who I am. I'm... I'm a guy who had his blazer with a Louis Vuitton backpack and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he was just being true to who he was. So I knew that that would cut through too. And uh, along with the production, I thought it was one of the most amazing albums that I've ever heard. What was your involvement there? I mean, Kanye had recorded it, but um, you know, I picked the singles, radio, the promotions, the marketing and everything. So after it picked up and caught steam, then everybody else kind of jumped on. I mean, even Lior, he was like, oh, this guy's trash. We don't even want it. He told us that we could, he dropped him and told we could take him anywhere else. So he didn't believe in him or the Young Guns. And then that ended up being two of the biggest songs we ever had on Rockefeller that year. That's crazy. Yeah. Did Kanye say he had his first four albums already planned out? He, he definitely had the first three with the, the name of each album and the singles. That's impressive. <laughs> he he's just meticulous like that, just in general. Very, and nothing has changed. It's just on a bigger level because we was actually I was just with him Saturday. You know what I mean? And he's uh, finishing up his project now because uh, we have a, a, another song with with Kanye that's actually coming out Friday called Smack DVD. Uh, that's fire. So that's going on um, on the album too. It's just because of timing we didn't finish recording it. With uh, Saints on Kanye's new album, and then Kanye's on this other song that's coming out Friday. So you're working with all these personalities, y'all at y'all at Cam, y'all at the dip, diplomats. How are you? Kind of like the guy in the middle juggling all of that. Like it seemed like there was a lot going on at the label at the time. A lot of different sounds, a lot of different people. Yeah, I mean, we, look, I had a lot of help, so it's not like I mean, yeah, 
we're at the top, right? And we still make all decisions together. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously with Shari, who's, you know, CEO of Rock Nation now, uh, mm-hmm. Latrice, who has her own uh, imprint at Universal, Emmanuel, who runs uh, video at a Capitol, Eve Pierre, who runs CAA, like all these people now that runs all these different, you know, Wayno, everything, you know, Lenny, like we had an amazing crew, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, that's what I'm most happy about. You know, when I can look back and see that all these people that we just gave jobs for the first time, didn't know what they was doing because we didn't know all went on to do great things. That's one of the best feelings, period. So there seemed to be some tension there at the time. Um, I know your goal from the beginning was to build it up and then eventually sell, right? And like move on to other business ventures. Did that play a part in any of that? Or was that already kind of foregone for you? Yeah, so we had 96, we had Reasonable Doubt. 97, we did a co-venture with uh, Universal that we would sell the company over a certain period of time. We just sold it twice. People don't know that. We, we sold it in 2002, and then we sold it again in 2005. One of the things I always wonder, just as a Jay fan, what, what was the feeling like in the building when the, when the big beef happened with Nas? And they're going back and forth. And it, it's funny now because people would diss each other in back-to-back days, right? And at that time, it was months and months and months. And Blueprint 2 was like a whole year later. And what was the feeling like in the building? And how, how did you guys you, – you, I, I always walk away feeling like he won. Like, I don't know if it matters anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we ever felt like we lost. And the confidence was still so high anyway with who we were. I don't – even I think if we felt a loss, I don't think we would, like, be walking with our heads down. It would be like, oh, shit, Kev lost the championship. Damn, I'm, I'm afraid what's going to happen next year. You know what I mean? Type of shit. So we know what will happen. It was more or less probably that. And that's, that's anyway, you know what I mean? Like, I look at everything as a competition, whether it is or not. That's I'm self-motivated. If I go on a treadmill, like, you know, I just told someone I didn't work out in seven months. Somebody was running next to me. I fucking started running at seven miles per hour. I did two miles. Dude, they got off. I got off, threw up. I just was, in my mind, I thought they was challenging me. So I, <laughs> I just pushed myself. But I do that with anything. You know what I mean? Even if Jay, Jay does something, you know what I mean? Because we don't work together. We just support each other. If he does something to win, I'm like, fuck, this nigga was trying to get ahead of me. I just use it as motivation, and I go and try to do something myself. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be seen. You know what I mean? But I, I use everything for motivation, man, so it's, it's a good thing. When you first hear TakeOver, were you surprised, or did you have, like, an advance warning on that? No, I, I was uh, – I'm trying to think if I was there that day. He might have did it, and I came and heard it after, and I was like, fuck, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't take it like I tell people now, like, you know, artists that not only saying the people that I mentor, like I always encourage to record video, record everything that they're doing now because you can't you can't. That's the best thing to be able to go back to the the, the genesis of when you made those songs and to be able to see that and what happened in the studio, because you can't get back that time the inception of making it like at the time and then seeing that, you know, when you first hearing it two or three times in a row, when the shit is amazing, like that's the best feeling in the world, man. So, you know, if I could look back and have recordings of all those albums that we made, I know that shit, like the public would be more happy to see that than an album cover that they've seen over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Those are the real gems. Shit like that is why I love black album. (laughs) 
I was I was just listening to Loved the Lord it. yesterday. And like I feel like every time I hear Lord, I see Pharrell hitting it. Hitting the, the the sound, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he's like, yo, I got the shit, and y'all got to see it, got to hear it. And Jay's like, all right, we're gonna, see. and then you you see, it. like, I feel like every time I hear that song, I see that. Is, it, what you just said, like, was that part of why y'all did Fade to Black? Yeah, and then we started recording, and Dame was uh, probably the proponent of that, saying like, look, we got to start recording everything, and you know, probably for years there wasn't a camera not around us, you know what I mean? Like every day. <laughs> like now I have so, like again, I have so much shit that I got to get digitized and I have DVDs of stuff that nobody's ever seen before that, you know, eventually we want to put together. If I could ever get these guys off their ass to put a project together. <laughs> did you think that was Jay's last album? I, yeah, I did. Really? Yeah, yeah. Why was that? He said it, you know what I mean? So we decided to take him his word and then i mean but did you feel like did you feel that he was over the game like just from being around and i just, mean his first album was going to be the last right so we had to say like right this is it this is it we like all right you know what i mean and yeah that, like i said that song encore was like jay mike mj when he hit the jump shot you know what i'm saying like leaving you like fuck he hit the jump shot that's it no more you know you could have left on that and we would all been still happy today like fuck you know i'm glad he kept going but um, it, that was a that was a perfect ending. You know? How did you feel about the comeback? I know when he ranked his albums a few years back, he, he put Kingdom Come the bottom of the barrel. How did you feel about it from where you were? Yeah, I mean, that was the first project that you know that he did without us, and you know, I didn't think it was his best work. You know, so it seemed you know it appeared that he would be on the decline, even though you could hear some good shit in it. And it's funny, I listened to it recently. Um, Cause somebody was just like, that's my favorite project. And then when I go back, I'm like, fuck, this was on it. This was on it. You know what I mean? I kind of forget all those <laughs> some songs that were on. Yeah, so that's now, some joints. Now, it, it, I would say it probably jumped even or above uh, volume uh, one. You know what I mean? It was, that was a song after reason. Yeah, the album after reason with that. It seemed like similar rhythms in that, you know, uh, reasonable doubt was life. Volume one, y'all, y'all were kind of going after something different, something shinier. Seemed like the same thing happened with Kingdom Come and then and then we get American Gangsta after that and it's it's back to life. And then that's I think that's a classic. I mean that that's one of my favorites. I got it top three. Like do you see do you see kind of like the similarities in that in that pattern? Yeah, that does make sense, you know, and um uh, and four 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 what he gave there was just like fuck, you know, for him to still have that shit. I'm just like I'm I'm still shocked. Like I, I call him just like everybody else is a fan. Like yo, fuck yo, what you was thinking when you said this or that? Or, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, because that's the first things I go talk to him about. Just how somebody would interview him. I'm like, look, you know what the fuck I want to know. Look, bro, you said this. What was on your mind? Like this. Like how did you even come up with a? Because I'm still amazed how he does that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like up to this day, like writing songs, like the hip hop artist that's writing melodies and all this shit is just is you know it's crazy. The Bugs Bunny. Shit. How did how did that happen? I always wonder. Like, how how did Bugs Bunny come about for y'all? And 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 what made you guys go? All right, let's do it. Um, I think it was a bag, but at the same, (laughs) (laughs) there it goes. (laughs) Yep, sound about right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was a bag, but I think we was on the soundtrack too, so we had the relationship, and then they had access to do that, and then you know however it came out. Cause I think B just found out. I seen something. That's what I've been mean, reminding me. I seen something came in the uh, in the news recently that she just found out that he wrote it. That's hella funny. Um, I want to go back to four 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 real quick. You get a mean shout out in there. 
one of my favorite verses in some time on smile when you even even then even 20 years later y'all been y'all been friends forever y'all been working together when you hear that and you hear him kind of shouting you out in that way and bigging you up what's what's that like for you I mean, it means everything, man. It's, that's my brother, you know what I mean? The same way Dame is, and it's whether a shout out or not, but, you know, to be recognized or to be put on a song, and we know our music lasts, right? So, I mean, it's dope, and it's, it's a great honor. What about you, Kay? I know that's something, we, yeah, I kind of tease you about it, but it's something that's got to be dope to have that shit happen, right? Yeah, it probably feel different for me being outside the music business, you know, I, you know, hearing your name on a verse just means some way bigger than what I thought, you know? So have somebody recognize you in that way, it's dope, it's cool. How's you and Dame relationship right now? It's good, I seen him in uh, in Oklahoma, in, yeah, in Wyoming, Oklahoma, in Wyoming, uh, when, I went, when we first went to see Kanye about a month or so ago. And we just chilled, we chopped it up, you know what I mean? We laughed, joked, from, I was out there for a day. You know, Same thing, I, these are my brothers, man. You know? I have nothing bad to say. We all did great things together. Nobody could replace the history that we, we did and made together. And, you know what I mean? They looked at me. We all gave each other chances. We, we, we did something amazing, and I'm going to love them forever for that. You know? I feel like y'all two pushed each other, you know, as far as, like, because y'all reached the level, the respect level that y'all command out here, especially in the business world, when a lot of people have, you know, coming from the neighborhoods you come from, Y'all had a lot of people scared, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and in a good way, in a, in a way is where you're going you gonna to fight for who you, you know for the team and for the crew. But those early days, you know, did you and Dame even clash? Because like teammates, you know, you usually clash with somebody, you disagree. But how was those early days like battling with somebody? Probably not that early. We probably agreed on a, a lot. It was probably as we got bigger, <laughs> we had more disagreements because we had a lot more going on. But early on, no, nah, not at all. And even when we disagreed, nobody seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, talk about those things in a pretty same way, right? Back in the locker room and shit. Yeah, I think that's healthy. You know what I'm saying? It's healthy to, you know, go back and forth a little bit. I always felt that relationship y'all had was unique. Having a screaming match with Dane probably a little different though, right? He <laughs> <laughs> can be a little aggressive. You grow older, you recognize different things. Like I told Jay, even me, I had to grow. I had to evolve, right? If somebody said something to me, like my brothers, if they ever told me no, I would look at it different. Now, the first thing when I, if, and it's very rare, if I go to them by anything, I'm like, you can say no, and it's all good. I, I say that before anything, you know what I mean? So and it's things that me and Jay tried to do together and didn't work out. We drink, laugh, this, that, hang out the next day, nothing, like it's all good. But it's a, it's a different type of um, language we all of us had to learn because you think of loyalty, integrity, and honor, and it's not, I think, when you hold people to that and you hold their feet to the fire, that's exactly what it is. It should be the other way where you give them an out because you don't want them to do something that you know they necessarily might not want to do. And if you could do that and keep them away from shit like that, that's loyalty, integrity, and honor. You know what I'm saying? I say no a lot, you know what I mean, especially when people come to me to ask my friends to do things more than asking them to do it, you know what I'm saying? It has to make a lot of sense for me to reach out. I feel like that makes the relationship stronger and the work better because you need those people. Yeah, exactly. So a couple years back, some pictures came out, Jay and Dame in the same room. Uh, I believe it was somebody's birthday party, mutual friend. Shaka. Yeah. What was that like? Like, 
y'all probably knew. I mean, obviously, you guys knew more than everybody else. You know, there wasn't the tension that the world might have thought it was. But what was it like for the world to know that? And was it a little was it a little odd for you guys to, to see that happen? Uh, no, nah, it wasn't odd for me. I mean, we all love each other. Like I said, it's almost like going to high school and you know, every time you see those group of people, you like, man, you don't give a fuck what's going on. Like it brings you right back to that space. <laughs> you know I mean, that's what it is with Rockefeller. We were like a family. It was real, literally like high school. You know what I mean? Nobody know what the, the hell we were doing. People smoking weed. We trying to uh, promotions and records and build and all this shit. And no one has no fucking former business acumen or nothing. We just, <laughs> we just doing everything right. And just, you know, it just uh, the um, our work ethic. You know, what I'm saying that really got us over because a lot of people were smarter than us, but we worked harder than them until we was able to learn what they learned. You know, so then we had the smarts and the work ethic that that pushed us over the top. But uh, yeah, man, just it's just crazy when you're doing something like that from scratch and nobody knows what the hell is going on. But you know, people turn out to be great. You got your hands in a lot of stuff these days. You you you're doing movies. You're really heavy in the fashion. What what sent you in that direction? And like you said earlier, you were off music for a while. What sent you into those directions? I mean, again, we did that early on with Rockaway, with Armadale, with the Rock Box. We had, you know, the Apple had the first MP3 player. No, their second one. I think we had our first one. We were selling it in Bloomingdale's and stuff. We had a marketing company. Like we had so many things. And tech company with Block Savvy early on when MySpace sold for five hundred and eighty million. Facebook only had about 20,000 people when I launched the social network, um, then end up taking off. But it's funny, somebody just showed me something that Drake is doing now. And I'm like, I did that shit 10 years ago, you know, so I was just a little early. But I was used to doing other things because I wanted to do things that people didn't talk about, you know what I'm saying? Or didn't really look at where we were from, but I was passionate about it. So for me, it was just about replicating that same formula. So, you know, uh, you know, when I started with the 4th of November to uh, redo 96 and then I went to Barney's and this and, you know, shout out to, you know what I mean? Y'all, y'all dudes too. I seen y'all wearing it in, uh, in, a, in the playoffs last year, whatever it was. Um, I was like, fuck, you know what I mean? I'm just seeing shit take off, right? It's just, you know what I mean? I just want to pay homage to something that we did and do it in a creative way. So I was like, oh, I could use this foundation to start building brands again. But um, at this point, I don't think... That's what I really want to do. So now I have a company made brands and now I can give out deals or help people with services to build their own companies. So I kind of want to sit on that side now rather than do all these things and try to build these one-offs for myself. I'd rather sit on the side where I could give deals out and help people build brands with me and build a bigger ecosystem and grow larger that way, you know, and not try to have, you know, share more than having everything myself. But, you know, with the fashion and then, you know, I'm doing a lot of things in SPACs right now with, you know, these IPOs. So I'm just trying to just stay ahead of the curve and, and you know, and, and then come back and open doors for people that look like us so they can jump right into these, these spaces and use the knowledge I have to give back. So after you, you had some, spent some time away, <laughs> you do uh, It's the Hard Truth, you do OG. What was, you know, the, the, those got to be one and the same. So how did we get there? Said, look, there's a lot of things going on in prison. I said, look, I got to find out. So I said, let me get in trouble to go in there, to go inside. <laughs> oh, you next, you next level with this shit. You dedicated for real. Yo, you really locked in. 
<laughs> so, nah, we're about to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> um, yeah, when I got when I got out of jail and then doing those projects, I mean, it, it made sense for me because circum the things that I was doing, the, the NCS inside, which is uh, uh, a group of men who go into prison every week to spend uh, time with other inmates just to build relationship. I mean, at the center of it for us is Christ, but you could come in being a part of any religious group or whatever. So things like that, um, I started to do on the um, on the outside. So when this project came to me, it just made sense. So Jeffrey Wright was already a part of it, and the similarities of him playing somebody, an inmate, and the first project that ever was done in a prison with inmates as the characters as well. And then the the, the second part of that, having the inmates direct uh, the the documentary and interview each other, was something that stood out to me as well so it was a project that i was able to executive produce amplify and be a part of you feel yourself get more hands-on with the film yeah so i mean i got a, a lot of stuff that i'm working on now but more like a writer director producer you see yourself doing more and more yeah producer what's what was yeah what was interesting about that for you because like you said you've been in a lot of different things and to target that because it's things that I'm passionate about and interested in. And one, I wanted to bring more black filmmakers, producers into it. So I figured if I could get in and, um, and do it successfully, I could open the doors. I want to bring more uh, black women also, directors, writers, producers. You know what I mean? I'm really, really passionate about that. But uh, a lot of projects started coming to me again. And people's like, man, can you help me with this? So I ended up doing a deal. I had a first look deal with uh, MRC that does, um, you know, like House of Cards um, uh, uh, and Ozark. So I, I did a partnership with them uh, that lasted a year and change. And we have some things that, you know, we're still doing together. But, you know, that was good for me to get back into it. And now, I mean, hopefully these projects come out and, and do some amazing things. But I got a lot of things in the works right now. So we see all the work you're doing. I'm sure there's a, there's a ton of work that we don't see as well. What do you, do you have, uh, like, downtime? Do you have, I know you said earlier, you don't, you get antsy when you have it. What do you do in your free time? What do you do for leisure? Um, chill, I try to catch up on some some shows. And, you know, like now I'm watching, the, I'm watching The Crown, Breaking, I'm like, I'm watching, I've never even seen Breaking Bad. Man, I, I know. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, I'm trying to anarchy. I know, I know, man. So look, <laughs> <laughs> I'm back now, I'm on The Crown, I'm on like, and then you know how it is. Every, yeah. Every week there's a new show. Watch this, watch this. Yeah. So I got like 10 things I'm trying to catch up on. Do that, spend time with the family, catch up with old friends and shit like that too. You know, the people that's important to you, um, you know, to me. So that, that makes sense. I got a son, 24 years old, so. What's it like seeing all the moves Maul's making? It's got to be fun to be the big brother watching that, right? Yeah, it is dope. I mean, uh, Billboard had came to me, uh, you know, reached out about a year ago to do um, a story and they was like, all my brothers that's younger than me got into music and I never even knew that. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's dope to see, you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, my brother Shalik who ran um, Hiko label and he has a studio out here and mall and hip hop, you know, who was probably the most integral part of building Rockefeller. So you talking mm -hmm. about the producers and the artists and all that, I give all that credit to him. But I'm, I'm very happy for Maul, man. I love what he's doing because he's always been a talker. So now he has, his, <laughs> he has his platform of giving, you know, the world this point of view. Yes, it's, uh, you know, when when podcasts started opening up as a platform, as a space, you could tell there was a, 
there was like a dire need for a, a hip hop voice and a hip, you know, somebody to be the beacon there and to see them do it and how, you know, almost odd that group of people is, but they speak with such authority and they speak with such, they know so much of the history. It's, uh, you know, I know some people don't like them, but I think it's important to have that there. And uh, he's, he does a great job and shout out to Maul helping put this together as well. Real cool dude. Like I really, I really rock with Maul. And I have the drink champs as well. So we've been doing that for, you know, I've been a part of for two years. You know. Yeah, the whole different energy for that part. That That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> definitely a different vibe. The important thing for me is when, you know, I first got with them, I was able to do that deal across three black platforms. So it was titled mm-hmm. with Nas, Master Pill, and with Puff and Revolt. So that was something mm-hmm. that I did, you know, day one. You know, shout out to Randy Acker, who manages, um, you know, them with me and Nori and EFN. But that was really, really dope for, for us. And now we with iHeart and Revolt, you know what I mean? So, What's it like having that kind of meeting of the bosses, you know, like Puff? You, them names you just said, you know, it's you, it's Puff, it's Hove, it's Nas. Like, and, and y'all are able to break bread and put together business like that. What's that like, especially knowing, you know, you know the beginnings, you was there. Like, Actually, I don't. Me and Puff, me and Puff just met like three years ago. <laughs> we, well, well, I know you, the, the beginnings yeah, so, what y'all were doing. Yeah, you know? that's what I said. So it's funny, like, even though I've been in the music all the time, I didn't know a lot of people personally. Mm-hmm. So I'm just meeting them for the first time. Actually, that same day that I met Puff was the same day I met Nas. Really? Yeah. After, and so we talked about the Grammys. It was after Jaden win no Grammy. So 444, he was nominated for the most, then win none. And then we all partied after and we all met for the first time. We just had Ali on the show, uh, Kendrick Lamar's engineer, and we just talk about those Grammys and just that year is just ridiculous. I met Kendrick that day too. Yeah, it's funny. we were all there. I was, just, I was just talking about it. it. Was actually that party was one of the most amazing parties I've ever been to. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sound it, like it. It was like twenty twenty five of us, and we danced literally for like four hours. Jay's DJing, Swiss is DJing. <laughs> And I forgot who else, but those are the, and they killing it. I didn't even, I'm like, yo, Jay, I'm looking at his hands. I'm like, are you really pressing these fucking buttons? Is he like, he, I'm like, I, this is something else. I'm like, you know how to DJ? Like, come on, fam. <laughs> how hard is it for y'all to get them moments these days? You know, everybody's so, you know, y'all are icons. It's, you can't really go too many places. Yeah, it comes around the holidays or whatever, you know, when the Grammys and the Oscars and things like that. Now it's, you know, this. You, you could feel the black movement, right? Kind of getting in and taking over, right? So it's funny, the Rock Nation brunch is almost as important as the Grammys now, mm-hmm. right? And Tata started that with literally like seven people, mm-hmm. just taking them out to a brunch and look what it grow, you know, what it grew to, you know? So another thing like Jay with the champagne, right? Cristal telling us, look, they don't want no black people drinking champagne. Now he has the number one champagne in the world, black owned. Mm-hmm. I thought dudes with marks was rude, okay? <laughs> so we moved on. <laughs> That's how y'all always move, though. I've yeah. seen a story. As a matter of fact, it was on Drink Champs. Y'all tried to hire Kevin Lyles? Like, y'all were always like, we'll do this. Like, we'll do it on our own. <laughs> like, how does hiring Kevin Lyles at the time the president of Delta, how did, <laughs> how did that even come around? Like, what is what are y'all even thinking about with that? Nah, because we knew he was a promotion dude. Like, he tells you, like, he's like, yeah, you guys had a brown paper bag of money. He was like, well, we got the money right here. What you? <laughs> yeah, real shakedown. Do you want the money or not? Like... <laughs> so, going forward, you know, you guys say, John, uh, are you going to open up the, the, the roster and try to add more people? Are you trying to 
you know, get get back into the music business even more fully fledged? People, I mean, I, I, they're literally every day. It's, it's a flood of people asking me, but it has to make sense. Like right now I have St. John, the Drink Champs, and Fallen, the producer who actually made almost every track on all three albums. Um, and I'm happy with it. It's, it's easy. You know what I mean? I, I may partner with somebody to extend the, um, the management company and probably get into other areas, but maybe gaming and YouTube, you know what I'm saying? Uh, not necessarily music, um, but if, you know, if it makes sense. But again, I'm, I'm with building other things so we can have an ecosystem that all connects, you know? Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, you, you're trying to put together as many verticals as you can and just, just own the spaces that you're in. Uh, so it's 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 interesting watching approach and not seeing as many people be that ambitious. You know, a lot of people just seem to settle with, I'll just be a good enough artist. I'll just be a good enough internet personality. I'll just be this. And you, you seem to be thinking bigger with everything, you know, and we'll take it all over, right? <laughs> <laughs> so before before we let you get out of here, I had to ask, what, what was it like when you heard Lucifer? Um, I know you you said you didn't want to listen to it for a while. Jay had let you know what was going on. For those who don't know, the final verse of Lucifer is about your brother, Babalab, who uh, was, was gunned down in that same year, right? That's 2003 when all that goes down. So what's it like when you hear that song? I know you. I know I heard you. I saw you say somewhere that you listen to it often, listen to it in the gym and stuff now. What was it like when, that, when you first uh, heard that? It was pain, and I didn't want to hear it, um, you know, and at that time. I wasn't in the best space with a lot of my friends, you know what I mean? Cause I was going through a lot. When I heard it, I was just like, yo, take that shit off. I ain't, you know, and, and I didn't have any appreciation for it um, being on the project. But now, like you said, uh, when I do hear it, it's almost like a celebration of his life. And especially because people gravitate towards that song it's one of the, their favorite songs. So to have something like that sonically that cuts through and that's lasting and have my brother represented in it, and especially for his kids, you know, who, who loves it and his daughter who only knows me as a father because she was so young when he was killed um, is something that, that I do celebrate now. And like you said, it's motivation. So if I hear that anytime I'm in the gym or doing anything, that's going to push me to do whatever it is, 50% more. Even I'm talking about if I feel like dying or it's the end of the workout, I'm going to push at least for that whole song. So it's, it's something that gives me motivation too. Is your playlist mostly Jay, mostly rock, mostly St. John? That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday I listened to Megan's album. I, I do I listen to all the projects. Like as they come out, I listen to 21, you know, when he came out. I listen to Megan's album. But my playlist, yeah, that's what that's mostly what it is. I mean Kendrick too, you know what I mean? Some early Drake. You know. It's funny, Kev, like all the musicians we've had around that they're like they have such a weird such a weird relationship with music and what they listen to and what they don't. And that was real similar to what 40 said. 40 said, you know, I'll listen to singles and I'll skim stuff, but like I listen to our shit and then I'm out. <laughs> like, Cause it means like, the making of it, the memory of that, what it means, what the dude's saying, like there's always a piece of your story. So you relate to it more. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite J album? I mean, I have a few, but I mean, if I could pick one right, right now, American gangster. Really? Mm. I feel like it changes. It changes. Like, it definitely does. That's, I mean, that's one of my, I probably have this second. I probably have it behind Blueprint. At that time, it was great. I mean, I told him this about 444. When that came out, I said, this might be the best ever. But, you know, then it's Watch the Throne. It's American Gangster. And then it's, 
reasonable doubt. Those are probably the big, big standouts um, for me. And everything else is still amazing. And that's above that for me. You know what I mean? Got you. Got you. So only bumping the rock and St. John. <laughs> what makes it, you're not, you, you, you end up with a lot of great music there. So you're fine. Like you don't need too much more. But you got to think about it. Like the stuff I'm listening to on St. John maybe it makes a lot of shit sense. I might not have for three years. Yes. So <laughs> by the time the album come out, I'm already like, I can't, I can barely listen to it by the time, you know, everybody hears it. So today everybody's listening to St. John's album. I'm already trying to finish the next one, you know, so it's always something new for me. Well, Biggs, we really appreciate this, man. I'm as a as a long, long, long time Rockefeller fan. Like, you know, y'all basically raised me in a way. It's an honor to speak to you. Looking forward to what y'all got working on in the future. Uh, good luck at the Grammys, of course, and appreciate you doing this. Like, me uh, too. Could not thank you more. Thank you to you. Thank you to Maul. Man, it was it was an honor. Appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Hopefully, we get to see you course out at the next game or something, man. All right, man. <laughs>